their main priority is relationship with Christ, relationship with Christ. Because when you have relationship with Christ, you're able to have relationship with others. You're able to love yourself the way that you're supposed to love yourself. And you can be the, the person that God has called you to be with that relationship with God. You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javit, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. Hello and welcome back to Our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javit. Today, I am joined by Alex Willis, the Intake and Development Coordinator for Brooklyn Teen Challenge. Our topic today focuses on Jesus as the solution to addiction in urban communities. Alex's main objective is to introduce broken people to Jesus, get them enrolled into Brooklyn Teen Challenge program and help them cultivate a life free from addiction. Before we jump in, a little bit about our guest today. Alex was born and raised in a small town called Shell Lake, Wisconsin, and served in the United States Marine Corps from 2009 to 2011. Alex is a full-time student at Regent University attending his bachelor's degree in Christian ministry and pastoral care. He serves on staff at Brooklyn Adult and Teen Challenge, the flagship program that began in 1958 by Pastor David Wilkerson and is also a graduate of the program. Thank you so much, Alex, for joining us today. We are so happy to have you here. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you so much, Dr. Javed, for bringing me on the podcast. I'm so excited just to come and share about our incredible organization. But yeah, thank you so much. Uh, looking forward to our discussion today. That's awesome. I'm so happy to have you here. So before we started, please tell us a little bit about you and your family. I believe family is so important. And I think our audience connect with our guests better when they know a little bit about you. It humanizes us as people. So share very briefly about your family, but definitely about you. Yeah. So like you said in the introduction, I'm, I'm from a small town in Shell Lake. You know, my remaining family members currently in my life, uh, my little sister, Andrea, unfortunately, I lost my mother a few years back and my father wasn't really part of my life, but I did marry into a, a giant Greek family. <laughs> so I'm married to my incredible wife, Anna, and we've been married a little over a year now. Of course, my in-laws, my father-in-law, Dimitri, and his wife, Angela, and, and uh, my sister-in-law, and my brother-in-law, just incredible people. And and uh, I would say that, that those are my close-knit family right here in the five boroughs. That's amazing, man. I love Greece and Greek families. If uh, I had a choice, I would have been Greek citizen after Pakistan, <laughs> but God decided for me to be American citizen. So that's also a blessing. Mm. Um, to start off, tell us a little about the mission and vision of Teen Challenge. I'm sure many of our people mm. who are listening to this program, they know something about it, but it's important for those who do not know anything about Teen Challenge. Just share mm. a little bit about the mission and vision of Teen Challenge. So the mission and vision since 1958 has always been to introduce broken and addicted and lost people to Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus is the solution to the addiction problem. We believe that it's the power of God that it can overcome those the shackles uh, that enslave so many people. You know, since 1958, 
all the way up to 2023. The Lord has been doing great work in the midst of the craziness and chaos of addiction. The vision is always introducing people because we believe that when a person is spiritually healthy, they also become uh, physically healthy as well. David Wilkerson, I don't know if you know anything about Dave, Pastor Dave, back in the 1950s had a just a strong conviction in his heart from the Lord to come to New York City to, to speak to a group of boys that were on trial for murder. Unfortunately, he was not able to speak to those boys, but he felt the calling to stay in the five boroughs. And he went from borough to borough to borough, and he ended up in Brooklyn at the Fort Greene Projects. And he had an encounter with a guy named Nicky Cruz, who is a, a renowned evangelist. And uh, at the time, he was a leader of a gang called the Mau Mau Gang. And there's this interaction that happened that actually sparked one of the best-selling novels by Pastor Dave Wilkerson. And Nikki pulled a knife on Pastor Dave. And Pastor Dave, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Nikki, you can cut me into a million pieces, but every piece would cry out, I love you. And that started to spark something in Nikki. He felt conviction, and he gave his heart to the Lord. Over 65 years later, we have... 250 centers in the United States, and we have 1,400 centers worldwide, all with the mission to show people that Jesus can heal them, he can restore them, he can set them free. And uh, it all began in uh, Fort Green Projects in 1958. Yeah. And also, he is the founding pastor of Times Square Church, too. Yep. So, let's not forget that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yes. Exactly, and, right? A lot of people uh, may uh, not uh, know Team Challenge. They should, people should know, but those yeah. who do not know, when they hear about Times Square Church, mm-hmm. they they know, oh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's there, too. While realizing that everyone's journey is unique, what is the process that a student might encounter in the Team Challenge program? How successful is the program? Hmm. Okay, well, the process is very unique because for our program, it's uh, broken down into three phases. It's a one-year program. That's the first start. It's a year, one year of your life. I like to tell guys when I do their induction, one year of your life so that you can have freedom from addiction for the rest of your life. Some guys, they come in and they're like, well, a year, I can't do a year. Well, you can do a year. You spent most of your life in addiction, so you could spend one year learning how to be free from addiction and learning more about the Lord. It begins with your first phase. And in that first phase, it's very basic introduction to scripture, very basic introduction to Christianity. We realize that most people, they do not have relationship with Jesus prior to coming in. Some people are just trying to get in the program because they want to sober up. They want to get in the program because maybe their wives are saying, hey, you better do this or it's going to be divorce. And then, of course, we have mom and dad pushing them in. Just so you know, Brooklyn Teen Challenge, but we help adults. We specifically cater to adults in this program in Brooklyn. We have youth centers all around the country, but ours specifically helps adults. The first phase, first six months, very basic introduction to Christ. And then the the next three months after that is a more higher level of learning hermeneutics, learning how do I read scripture. It's a discipleship program. We're discipling men. That's the process of becoming discipled. In the midst of all of that, you're doing different things. We Every year we work the U.S. Tennis Open. That's part of one of our biggest fundraisers of the year. So these guys are going out into the workplace and they're learning different skills in the workplace. On top of that, we have what we call work therapy inside the program. We have a kitchen, we have lawn crew, we've got multiple aspects behind the ministry that helps the ministry tick and go. And Mm -hmm. so the guys actually play a a crucial role in that 
process. And while they're doing that, they're learning different trades and skills. For instance, a guy might come in and he has an interest in going in the kitchen because he feels like maybe I can, maybe I can learn how to be a good cook. You have about 30 guys in the program. You're going to cook a lot of food. <laughs> so you're going to learn a little bit more about the trade, you know, how to run a kitchen, how to operate it, sanitation, take it very seriously. There's that. And they're learning these different trades while they're in the program. Mm -hmm. And then of course we get to the third phase which is our transitional phase. So at the nine month mark, we start to figure out, okay, what is the next step for you? Where do you want to go? Are you trying to transition back into culture, into the society? Are you going back home uh, with your wife? How can we make this process easy for you? Let us develop a resume for you. Let us put together all the things that we did in this past nine months. Let's put that on your resume along with other trades and skills that you might have um, that you've picked up along the way in the years prior to you coming into the program. And so we want to transition guys out. Now, there's also people who have a calling to stick around. They feel like this is a place that I believe the Lord is calling me to. I feel that I need to give back. And so we have what we call an internship program for men who gone through the, the program that are interested in serving and more part of the giving back part. So the internship program is usually six months to a year long. But on that third phase part, it's figuring out if this person is going to be a good fit because we can't just take anybody that wants to be an intern. We've got to make sure that this person, number one, has a heart for the Lord. Yeah. Number two, has a heart for people, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that doesn't always add up. In that third phase, that three months, we figure out this person may or may not be a good fit for the internship program. And then, of course, there's people that want to go to school, they want to go to Bible college, they want to do, we try to help with that so that when the last month, the 12 month mark comes, there's a plan set up for success, call it their exit plan, there's an exit mm -hmm. strategy plan. So we have an exit strategy plan, usually done by our academic dean, Pastor Winston Trumpet, who sits down with the guys, he goes through it with them, what's the next step, what are we going to do and how can we help you get there? Thank you so much for yeah. telling all of this. It's a lot. It's very yeah. helpful. No, no, this is good. Walk us through a typical day at the program. Yes. Um, yes. What is a typical day like? So a typical day would be six o'clock, wake up every morning. From six o'clock, you have to have your feet on the ground at 6.05. Pastor Don Wilkerson, a co-founder, Pastor Dave Wilkerson's brother, used to say that Brooklyn Teen Challenge is kind of like a military camp, a Bible college all put in together in one. There's a lot of disciplines. For instance, you cannot have a beard. You have to shave your face. Just like the military, you got to keep a nice clean shave, right? Got to have a nice haircut. You can't look like you just walked off the street. <laughs> so six o'clock, wake up, six or five feet on the ground. Mm -hmm. You're getting ready. You're making your bed. Every bed is made nice and neatly like the military. There's a standard in the room. You can only have one picture on your dresser can't have anything out. Everything has to be folded nicely and neatly. Some guys that have come into the program prior, probably they might not have had the best hygienic skills. Mm -hmm. So we try to teach them our way and hopefully they take that and they, they run with it when they leave. And so 6.30, we have prayer and devotion and that's a half hour. So the first 15 minutes you're spending in prayer, the last 15 minutes you're spending in the word. We do prayer and devos all throughout the day because we want people to be spending time with the Lord on their own. We want them to read the word because we believe that it's the, the word of God that, that can change lives. Then we have breakfast. After breakfast, you have the daily chores. Um, the men would have to clean the house, you know, the, the sanitation, 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 right? You get about like 30 people in our house and you want to make sure that you're continuously making that place clean. 
And then we have class usually after, I think it's around eight o'clock after you're done with all your chores from 8.30 till about noon, there's class time. Pastor Winston and Pat and Pelly are our two academic guys in the program. They they teach the classes. Uh, there's the first phase and the second phase classes that are being taught. Usually those that are in the third phase are also continuing on their lessons of the second phase classes. And so from that time, from 8.39 o'clock to 12, they're doing class. At noon, you have lunch. And then afterwards, there's usually like a time of prayer, a time of worship. If we have somebody that plays music, we have them get the worship team together. We do a little praise and worship after lunch. And then after that is our work therapy, which is usually from one o'clock to about five o'clock till dinner time. So during that time of work therapy, you're doing different things. So we're temporarily located in Long Island right now because we're going undergoing renovations in the Brooklyn home. There's a Long Island teen challenge. And so we're there, we're living in their home and we're actually helping them. They have a super thrift, they have convenience store. Uh, so we're actually doing all these different things for our work therapy over there. When we're in Brooklyn, we're usually doing things with a staffing agency called Amer Events. We go to like the Rock Center, we do work for them, we set up for events, we do different sporting events. We do a lot of the Barclays Center, we go and we help out with the basketball games and our guys are in the stands serving food and all that stuff. So that's part of the work therapy and then we have dinner. And then after dinner, depending on the day, for instance, after dinner on a Wednesday, there's usually a Bible study that we're involved with, whether it's in a local church or if it's something that we're doing in-house, we're always making sure that that night we're okay. doing some form of worship on a Wednesday night. Wednesday night, Tuesday morning usually is another part of worship, a church service as well, a chapel service. And then of course, at the end of the night, there's a little bit of free time so guys can get some of their homework done also spend some time with Lord, clean up whatever they got to do, have their own personal free time. And then they have to be in bed by nine o'clock from nine to nine 30. That's your Devo time. And then after nine 30, you have a, a little bit, but lights out at 10. That's excellent. Yeah. And then we have usually three to four church services a week. Pastor Don Wilkerson, again, I'll quote him. He says, Jesus for breakfast, Jesus for lunch, Jesus for dinner. <laughs> That's good. Earlier, you would talk about the pastor sitting there, the dean sitting there, and uh, uh, at the end of the program, talking to them, what's next, right? Next steps. What happens after the successful completion of the program? So after the successful completion of the program, like I had mentioned before, there are multiple things that happen that can happen. You can stick around for an internship. I always recommend guys, especially if they're serious about working in ministry, stick around, give back a little bit, see what the Lord does and how he opens up the doors for you. Because don't be in such a rush to run off or if you don't have any other um, priorities. Uh, if you have nothing going on, you're a younger person, stick around, serve, see what God does and how he blesses you through that in that servanthood. And then of course, there's guys that are married and they move, they go back. We try to check in on our guys when they complete the program. And of course, the door is always open for those that graduate. Alumni are always welcome back to Teen Challenge to come and spend time with the guys, play basketball, come to our Friday night coffee house outreaches that we do, come with us to chapel services. They can always come with us to church services because we want to keep the doors open for guys that complete the program. It's a program, but not really. It's more of a family, you know, mm -hmm. it's more of a family. And so there's that. And then, of course, we have Bible colleges, Teen Challenge Bible colleges. There's one in California 
which uh, is called TCMI. It's the Teen Challenge Ministry Institute. Um, that's run by uh, a pastor, uh, Ron Brown, in uh, southeastern California. We send guys there sometimes before our our big move before our big transition that started in 2019, mm -hmm. we actually had our Brooklyn Teen Challenge School of Ministry. And that was actually through the Assemblies of God, a Berean college course that we offered for anybody that completed the program as well. That would be something separate for a Bible college for guys that complete the program. Good. Very good. Yeah. So earlier in your introduction, I mentioned about you being the recipient of this beautiful program too. So let's go back there and just talk briefly about how has Teen Challenge impacted mm -hmm. your life? Teen Challenge has impacted my life. It's been the vessel that God used to completely turn my life around. As you said in your introduction, I served in the United States Marine Corps, military police. I come from Wisconsin. I grew up in kind of a broken home. Father wasn't a part of my life. You know, my mother, she had struggled with addiction in my early years of growing up. And so I kind of developed a pattern of addiction. Uh, I saw my cousins drinking and partying and I kind of adapted that form of living because you grow up in that environment, you tend to become a product of that environment. I was drinking, partying, doing all the, the things a, a young man shouldn't do in his early teens. My mother, she turned her life around. She had a revelation of God. And so she, she was a Christian and she used to tell me God has a plan for my life. And when she seen the life that I was starting to live in my later high school years, she said, Alex, you have a, you have two options. You can go live with your friends or you can go and join the military. And I thought if I joined the Marine Corps, maybe that would fix my problem. As you know, a doctor uh, that, uh, you know, these, these are deep wounds that, that occur at a young age and, um, and the military is not going to fix those things. Mm -hmm. Only God can do that. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I experienced that. I, I developed a really bad drinking habit in the military. Um, when I got out, my drinking turned to other things. And I just was in a cycle of addiction. You know, it was just, I couldn't stop. I was in a bad place. Got to the point where my addiction brought me to a place where I was incarcerated. I was facing uh, multiple years in prison. And in the midst of all of that, I ended up losing my mom and she mm -hmm. passed away from a massive heart attack. And, mm -hmm. you know, before she passed away, she would tell me constantly, she said, God has a plan for your life, Alex. God has a plan for your life. And I would say, I'd say, listen, I don't know. I don't know if you see what's going on, but I don't see any plan here. And I don't think that God really wants anything to do with a guy like me, right? Uh, I had this perspective that I had to be a certain type of way to enter into the church. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I didn't realize that Jesus was like, give me all your sick, give me all your hurting, give me all those that are broken and lost. And that's who I was. And so when she passed away, I had a revelation. Uh, I realized that I needed something or someone higher than myself. And I cried out to Jesus and I had a, an encounter with God in the middle of that jail cell and wow. everything changed. Everything changed. Wow. The Lord began to open up doors for me. Uh, and then, you know, I actually heard about adult and teen challenge in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Mm. And uh, my, my, I had a 12 year prison sentence because of my poor choices. My 12 year prison sentence turned into one year County jail. Okay miracle. I ended up at Teen Challenge. God opened up those doors. It, it, the, the whole story is too long for me to tell, but the fact is I ended up in Milwaukee Teen Challenge, completely changed my life. I went through the one-year program. And as I was completing my one-year program, I decided I wanted to do an internship, did my six-month internship. And in the middle of that, a pastor of mine, we sometimes send guys to Brooklyn to go to school of ministry. 
And I really felt the conviction in my heart, go to, go to school of ministry. You need to go to Brooklyn. And I'm like, well, I, I was like arguing with God. I'm like, are you sure you want me to go to Brooklyn? Is this what you want me to do? I'm a small town guy. You know, there's, there's cockroaches, there's rats, you know, there's, I'm like, are you sure? And, and the Lord just kept pushing me and pushing me. And so in 2018, January 1st, um, I flew out to Brooklyn, New York, and I came, I came in for school ministry and I ended up becoming, uh, they, they ended up hiring me on as full-time staff uh, for the intake position to help guys get in the program. And um, I always tell people, I said, you know, I lost my mother and never had a father, but because of my position as the intake coordinator, I've been able to help so many people and I've got mm. I've encountered lots of mothers, lots of fathers who've, who've literally t- said, you're like a son to me, you know, cause I'm yeah. helping their son, you know, and helping them get in the program. Um, and of course, through that process, I ended up meeting my wife and, you know, I ended up in getting enrolled into um, Regent University and, and all because adult and teen challenges just helped me and, and, and help pay for my schooling and, and all the leaders that I have in my life that have really pushed me forward and believed in me, um, in mid, even in the middle of like, you know, those seasons where things were really tough and hard mm-hmm. and I'm like, God, where are you? You know, yeah. you have those moments. It doesn't matter if you're a teen challenge or if you're at a church or what, you're still going to have those valley moments in life. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I had the right people and the light, the right leaders surrounding me, encouraging mm-hmm. me not to give up, but to keep pushing forward. And now I get to do the same thing for somebody else and yeah. help encourage them as well. That's amazing. That's powerful, brother. Yeah. I think that's the power of the gospel. That's the transformation yeah. of the gospel that changes mm-hmm. us from inside out. Yeah. Let me ask this for complete transformation. We need to be impacted in all areas of our lives, mentally, emotionally, socially, physically, and most definitely spiritually. Mm-hmm. How does the program addresses each of these needs? I know that you have explained to us through mm-hmm description of the day, yeah. the description yeah. of the program, entering, moving through your own story. But for the audience, just share with us a few sentences. How does the program address uh, each of these areas? Yeah. So when it comes to those areas, um, I would say that being in a group of guys, you know, being in a circle with a group of men that are that are aiming towards the same direction right. um, with the right leadership for mentally, you know, we, we live in a culture right now, as you know, doctor, that there are people that are struggling so much with this mental health issue of depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. um, this, that, and the third, you know, we bring guys in, we don't actually don't allow certain medications in our program. We do it a holistic way. We try to address the mental health disorder, right? So you have depression, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that we just give people scriptures and say, feel better. It's how can I walk through this moment of depression with you as a staff member and help you become mentally healthy again through the gospel, right? You're pointing them to scripture. You're not just giving them a scripture and then walking away and saying, I hope that you know, uh, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's not what we're saying. It's yes, all things work together for God to those who love God and are called according to their purpose. But let me show you how and show you why. And this is what, it, you know, I'm a former uh, resident in the program. So are most of the other staff. So we can identify with that person when they're dealing with depression, anxiety, whatever it is, emotionally, socially, you know, you have people that, that come in that, that struggle socially, right? We try to get them to come out of their shell. And one of the ways that we do that, 
we go to different churches, right? We go to different churches. We partner with different churches. And what we ask guys to do is you've come out of your years of addiction. Now I want you to share that testimony with somebody at the church. So they come, we sing songs. We have a choir, right? Some of these guys are coming from gangs and all kinds of stuff. And so these hardened guys, they receive God. God begins to chip away the hardness of their hearts, right? Because we can't do it. He can and then they get up there and they sing songs, uh, they sing songs of God's goodness and his, and his faithfulness. And then they share testimonies of how God has been good and faithful to their lives. And so they breaks them out of their shell and then they're interacting with other people in the church and they're finally becoming climatized to society again. I was like that. I felt that way. You know, I felt like, well, I, I see myself as this type of person. So how could society accept me? But it's not about how society sees me. It's about mm-hmm. how God sees me. And because right. of how God sees me and I under, understand that how he sees me, I can be social. I can, I can actually live socially amongst other people because I have confidence in God, not in anybody else. Because people are always going to look at us crazy. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, physically, we have a gym. Uh, we have a gym. It, we, you know, After two weeks, it's, we call it our blackout phase. Then the guys can go in the gym. It's good for guys to work out. What does Paul tell Timothy? You know, physical fitness is of some you know value, but it's it's the spiritual fitness that really matters. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. We see oftentimes as guys come out of addiction, they start to work out in the gym, and that becomes their new addiction. <laughs> and and we don't want we don't want people trading one in one thing in for another. Uh, so we do have a gym available. We have basketball available, but we want them. Their main priority is relationship with Christ. Relationship with Christ, because when you have relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm you're able to have a relationship with others. You're able to love yourself the way that you're supposed to love yourself. And you can be the the person that God has called you to be with that relationship with God. I'm sure this, that students hear about Teen Challenge from pastors and family members, just like you. you. You shared about your story too. So you heard from somebody. My question is, does Teen Challenge have the opportunity to seek out students? Yeah, we do have opportunity. We do a lot of outreach Actually, just this last weekend, we were we had two outreaches, at, well, three outreaches if you count Sunday. So our first outreach was in the Bronx, uh, and at, simultaneously we were having one in the Bronx, one in the uh, on Staten Island. Mm-hmm. So myself and a few other staff and some of the students, we were in um, at the Bronx courthouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were we were helping them with what we call the Bronx Church Day, and we had all of our literature out there. Our guys went; they sang songs on the on the Bronx courthouse steps outside. Um, we had the big speakers um, sharing their testimony, singing songs, and we were actually able to connect. I'm at, but right before this interview, I was talking to a woman uh, who whose friend was there at the outreach. I gave her my information, and so I'm trying to help her son now get in the program. You see, uh, so it's just something simple like that, like going out. Well, I shouldn't say simple, but something like that, going out into the communities and letting people know there is hope for addiction. We have opportunity. We have availability. There are beds that we can fill. And this is our this is our mission. This is our call. Yeah. And, and I think more than ever before, I mm. think uh, our youth need that mm. action. Uh, yeah. They need, uh, you know, just look at what happened. By the time this episode goes up, it will be a little, little more time would have been passed. But just uh, two weeks ago, we had the incident in Union Square. Now we have mm. another one. And yesterday I heard about something in... Uh, um, in Washington, D.C. area. So teens are uh, being uh, used by social media uh, to act in a certain way. Uh, then you have all this 
crazy stuff going on with the drugs. And uh, I know that same thing with the Times Square Church, but uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, Pastor Simbla been after this whole opium epidemic yeah, yeah. Uh, that is going around. So we, we, we know that these things are happening and people are in trouble. And I think those are the things that are going to help. A church needs to rise and help. And church needs to understand that this is not a social uh, issue is not political issue, it's a spiritual issue, and church yeah, yeah. needs to be part yeah, of the solution, right? So how can churches come along, teen challenge, or be impactful to, in helping people with addiction? Well, there are a few ways, and now we've been doing this for 65 years. We've developed relationship with many, many churches um, all throughout the tri-state area. Actually, we go to different church services, um, one of the things that we like to do is we have a choir outreach, which is in every Sunday, usually all throughout the year. Sundays are are very busy for us. Um, I would usually take my team of guys, myself or the executive director, Paul Burke or Pastor Winston, and we would go and we'd take a group of our guys to a church that is partnered with us. They say, hey, we want you to come. We want you to share. And so we have a, we, we take the whole service. Um, we do an uh, introduction about who we are, what we do. Uh, we have different products that we sell that people can purchase to help support money and raise money for the organization. Mm -hmm. And then we do the testimonies, the choir. And uh, and then usually myself, Pastor Paul or Pastor Winston will will share a word, a brief uh, message, usually relating to like a teen challenge message of of, of hope from addiction. Um, but yeah, we would take a we would take a service. And that's part one of the ways that the church has partnered with us for many years. Uh, we were actually just at, at the Full Gospel Tabernacle last week in Rockaway, Queens. And um, just yesterday we were there and we we brought the choir and, and, uh, and Pastor Winston Trumpet, our academic dean, shared an incredible message about walking with God mm -hmm. and the importance of of walking with God and why we teach the men to, the importance of walking with God. Another thing too is we receive donations monthly from churches. They see the need in the community. They see what we do in our program. And so we have people that monthly send checks into to Brooklyn Teen Challenge and uh, even come alongside us when we do outreaches. Uh, there's a church in, in Rockaway, Queens called House on the Rock Church. And every year, we just started it last year, but we're doing a continual thing every year called Eight Nights of Hope. And it's uh, an evangelism outreach that we do. And we go in the community of Rockaway and we just go to the beach and we you know hand out tracts literature invite people to our services every night and then every night people come to the service and we play music we have giveaways we you know feed the community um and then of course at the very end we we always offer our our services hey if you know somebody struggling with addiction we'd love to give you a flyer so we have our our team there with um you know different literature and stuff like that so people can can do that. So that that was another way that the church has partnered with us as well. Um, anything else would you do you think is important for this conversation? If you think something else so I missed mm. um, in this conversation and you would like to add that, I think this is a good time to add that too. Well, I, you did ask me a question earlier and I didn't answer it. Then you, you asked, what is the success rate upon completion of this program? So the success rate that we've seen that there was a study done, um, I believe it was in Rochester, Minnesota, uh, a few years back, that people who complete the program, uh, the 12-month the program, um, after completing it for five years, they did a research study, 70% uh, of people that completed our program were successful, free from addiction, that lived lives in their communities and uh, didn't go back to their addiction. 
we've seen a lot of success. Of course, I'm a success story, uh, yeah. but there are thousands and thousands of people worldwide with stories and testimonies of just crazy things that have happened in their life, but coming out of it, going through the program, starting their own ministries, starting their own businesses, being productive members of society because they went through this program. They had an encounter with God yeah. and they they ran with it. Alex, that's excellent, man. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. And I, I hope and pray those who, if the parents are hearing and uh, they have loved ones who are struggling with addiction, they may find uh, this program or this conversation helpful and they seek out uh, the organization. Um, let me ask you this. If they want to get in touch with you, whether those are pastors who are seeing the need and they never heard about it, or if they did hear about it, what are the easiest ways to get in touch with you or the organization? The best way to get in touch with me, call my number, 917-982-8448. That is, you have a loved one struggling with addiction. That's the direct hotline towards intake. I have that with me all the time just to make sure. You just don't know what time of day it's going to be, you know, whether it's 7, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. You know, we want to offer our services 24-7, you know, seven days a week because we understand the need. Thousands of people die every year from from yeah. substance abuse, um, alcoholism, and yeah. we just want to try to buffer that and do our part. And just like I always often liken it to Jesus, right? Like Jesus, he keeps the door open. What Jeremiah 33, 3, all those who call upon the Lord, he will answer, right? Yeah. And we want to just, we want to leave the door open and the phone line open for people who are struggling and hurting. Um, you can also reach me at Alex at brooklynteenchallenge.org. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you guys will maybe put that up in the description below. But yes, you can always reach out. I'm always available. Um, and, you know, we want to help. Yeah, great. That We will definitely include that in the episode's uh, description here. Mm -hmm. And for the last thing, because we talk about heavy topics and I do this with all my guests, I'll, I would like to ask you to tell us a joke to lighten our mood. Well... Okay, I got a teen challenge joke for you. In our program, there's only one pill that you take, and that's the gospel pill. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's good. It's the gospel. I don't know. It's cheesy, but good. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. That's good. Thank you so much for being on the show again. That was mm -hmm. Alex Willis, the Intake and Development Coordinator for Brooklyn Teen Challenge. And thank you to all our listeners. We truly could not do this without you. If you learn something, have a topic suggestion, or would like to leave us feedback, drop us a note at oururbanvoices.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast. Tune in in two weeks for more honest discussions from Diverse Voices. been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. 